Welcome back to Kettlebells and Cocktails. I'm your host, John, today without my girl, Nikki, who uh, is off doing other things. But I'm going to have a really fun conversation today. We have uh, Mason Alberts from Forging Youth Resilience. Mason, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to have you on. I, you know, I think some people that follow me know I've done I've done some work for you guys in the past or several posts uh, helping you guys push out your uh, organization. But I thought it'd be fun to get you on today to talk about the great work you guys are doing within the CrossFit community. That's you know part of the mission of this podcast is to help build uh, you know kind of a, a tighter knit community and help people really understand like all the things that are going on outside of. CrossFit games and thruster races and pull-ups and push-ups and all that kind of crazy stuff we do. And and you guys do amazing work. So why don't we just start with the biggest question of all, tell people what is Forging Youth Resilience? Yes, thank you. Um, we are a national network of youth programs and we offer free community-based fitness uh, classes as well as mentorship um, and a summer leadership camp. Um, and we are in 18 locations currently around the U.S. And just in uh, the first quarter of the year, we've had 10 additional new programs reach out and say that they're ready to start up. So, um, you know, it's been kind of a, a rough couple of years. Uh, a lot of our youth were not able to attend in-person classes, uh, which is where the, the work of our program happens. But um, we're back. and. Um, we are uh, working with uh, youth in, uh, as I said, 18 cities, um, and uh, yeah, we're just uh, excited to be to be back. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people don't know you guys are OGs in the CrossFit community. So you're previously Steve's Club, uh, which correct me if I'm wrong here. He used to do like a paleo mix, right? <laughs> like didn't Steve do that? Was it that something right. I remember? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, so th yeah, that's where we started and we're, we're grateful to him for his initiative, uh, which was really to put some CrossFit gear in his car and go to the most dangerous neighborhood, uh, in the country at that time in Camden, New Jersey. And, you know, he, he saw some kids there that needed direction that needed focus and, um, he started offering them CrossFit classes and, you know, that is the model. Um, our, so our local clubs have complete autonomy in terms of how they run their program. Um, we, most of them are sort of housed within uh, a CrossFit affiliate and many of them run uh, fire classes that might look uh, a little bit like a regular CrossFit kids uh, class. Uh, but others are going to where the kids are at. So they're bringing the equipment to um, a foster care facility or a juvenile detention uh, residential center and um, offering kids these classes where they're at. Um, and so while the program started in one location, um, it became, you know, in 2007, it became uh, a national organization in 2010. Um, from 2010 up until last year, it was a one person, there was one staff member uh, running the organization in, uh, in conjunction with the board who played um, a huge role in, you know, helping, the, the, helping to build the network and then support the local clubs. Um, and it's just in the last uh, year that we've added uh, a couple more staff members. We're now a team of four at the national level. Uh, and so I think that's why you might 
be seeing more of us and hearing more about fire, um, we have a little more uh, organizational capacity to um, to really be reaching out to the community right now. Well, and you guys have been at this for so long now. I mean, was it 15, 15 years or so? Is That's that right? right. That's right. Yeah, since two thousand seven. Yeah, it's it's funny when I uh, when I started. Uh, the page and, and decided I wanted to invest time in doing charity work within the community. Steve's club was one of the first things that popped on my radar. And one of my buddies was like, Oh, no, that guy used to make a paleo mix. And because I'm an OG, I'm like, <laughs> I used to buy that paleo mix. Excellent. And I, I had no idea, you know, all of that was connected. Yeah. And, but then I started looking at the work you guys are doing, mentoring youth and like, and helping build mental strength, um, and them and you know it's just really blown away by that i mean as someone who has kids you know i know how hard it is to raise your own kids and then when you're helping others it's even harder uh yeah. tell me a little bit about how that that mental strength and mentorship you guys are doing with the teens like why that's so important and how you do it yeah um first we're providing a consistent uh community, a safe space, an inclusive space that kids can go to at least a couple of times a week. Some some of our clubs run classes five days a week. So that's sort of the first step, providing a space and a community to support kids that are in challenging circumstances. Um, and when kids walk, the, when our athletes walk in the door, um, we uh, have provided some training for our coaches. We ask them to check in. We ask them to find out, so how is this particular athlete feeling today? What kind of space are they in, in their head? Um, is today the day when they're ready to um, try to do an, a workout RX? Um, is it the day we're going to push and maybe try to find a new PR? Or is today the day that we're just going to make this about, you know, that mental endurance um, and, you know, they're just going to get through the workout however they need to get through it. And, and that is going to be the win today. So, or maybe uh, it's just that they need to touch base with a community or with their coach, their mentor. Um, and that's, that's what we're going to focus on today. So there's, so there's a lot of different approaches we can take within the context of a given class. Um, and uh, our board vice president, Duncan Sewell, um, provided our local club leaders with a training in March about trauma-informed coaching for youth, uh, just to kind of make sure our coaches know how to um, interact with all of our youth, many of whom have likely experienced trauma um, because of the backgrounds they're coming from. And one of the things um, Duncan also talks about is that there's a huge difference between talking to a young person who's coming from a challenging background um, and saying to them, I believe in you. Um, I, I know you have great potential. Um, there, you know, that's one way. The other way is to show them and to give them an opportunity to prove that to themselves. And the way that we do that is we offer a young person the chance to do something very challenging. And, um, you know, whether that's Fran or, you know, a lift or just, showing up five times um, in a row, something like that. Um, usually it's a big workout in our program. And uh, the transformation that happens just in that moment in their brain where suddenly they can believe that they can do great things, very difficult things, um, it's, it's transformational. And um, that's the magic of the program. And it's an, it's an extraordinary thing to see. Um, and then, you know, moving ahead, they... 
they never look at a big challenge the same way. Uh, they start to, to think, you know, anything is possible for themselves and for their lives. I'm not sure I'd want someone to think I care about them by making them do Fran for the record. Uh, <laughs> <That's scary. laughs> maybe my worst enemies. I don't know. I, I would sit here thinking though, like I've, you know, I, I've got teens and you're at least one still a teen, the other's 20 at this point, but uh, teens are moody. And it's even if, even if they haven't been through trauma, like how do you help your coaches uh, and your leaders work through that of like determining, you know, how much of this, is trauma and how much is this is, Hey, this is just a 16 year old being a 16 year old. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think that more maybe than the coach, although the coach is setting the tone, the peers that are in the room with the young person um, are going, going to hold, uh, hold uh, each other to a high standard in terms of, you know, we all showed up, we're here to work. Um, you know, we want to support you, even if you're having a bad day, but like, let's not bring everybody down. Let's, let's all support each other and get this work done and, and keep getting better. Um, and I think, um, you know, we know that mentorship and adults, you know, having an adult who's maybe not a parent has like a different, uh, level of influence. Um, on a young person and just provides a different sort of adult perspective on things, which is good. Um, and, uh, can be helpful in the teenage years when kids like maybe don't listen as much to their own parents. But, right. um, I think the peer aspect of the program is really important too. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot invested in, uh, making sure that there's sort of community standards in terms of how we're going to approach each workout each day. Yeah, you know, I would imagine after 15 years, you guys are seeing um, a lot of lifelong relationships being built. Yeah. Um, and one thing we're working on right now is figuring out how to have our alumni come to summer camp. So we have a, a huge group of alumni that are interested in coming back, sharing their story, encouraging the youth that are in the program now, um, and who better you know, to, to play that role than our alumni. So uh, we're super excited about where the organization is now and um, sort of the network that's, that's exists now. Um, you know, maybe, you know, there's alumni who are in certain colleges or things like that that connect, can connect with the youth um, who are in high school now and, and tell them about their experience. And, and um, yeah, there's just a lot of good that can come from that. I love this idea and concept of, uh, you know, getting young people to do hard things. Like I had a, a daughter that um, ran track for years and it's really hard. I mean, it was really, you know, and, and so much hard work that goes into it, but not only Running. you building. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> no. she was really, she was really good at it. And I'm the same okay. way. I'm like, I don't want to run. I'm a CrossFitter. We don't run. <laughs> I run from things, not to things, you know? Yeah. Um but anyway, like, you know, it's hard work, but she, what she learned from it was obviously the reward that comes from putting in that work and then the relationships that came from it. And I think you kind of mentioned it before, like there's this uh, team accountability that comes from working with others. Like she had her part, she was a long distance runner, right? So she had to carry that part of the team and the sprinters had to carry their part of the team, but it's carried over into so many other parts of her life. I'm just imagining you know, kind of the same thing happening with you guys, with these young people as you're teaching them, God forbid, to do Fran, and they realize <laughs> how hard that is. But then later in life, they're going to be able to to apply that. Have you had, you know, you, you mentioned um, 
you know, these alumni have, are they giving you stories now of how they've, the things you guys taught them, you know, 10 years ago, how it's applied later in their life and given them success? Yeah. Well, so I'm getting to know, you know, I, I joined the organization in January and I'm getting to know um, some of the current athletes who are sort of transitioning to our alumni or have transitioned over the last couple of years. And um, we have one young woman who, uh, her name is Sapja and her older siblings were in the program, which this actually happens pretty often. And she saw them go off to camp and come back with just like this new um, ambition in their eyes and this new way of thinking about life. And so she was eager to, to start the program. So she's been um, uh, coming to fire programs for a couple of years now, for several years now. Uh, and when she went to camp, um, she had that same experience of uh, having, you know, a full week to think about what leadership meant to her personally and, and how she was going to move forward and be a leader in her community. Um, and when she returned, you know, she's doing things like reaching out to other youth in her neighborhood and getting them together, connecting them, building a community. Um, she started a women's wrestling team at her high school. Um, and now she, um, she's just applied for a number of colleges and she chose her, her college last week. Um, and I'm absolutely certain that she is going to be a leader on, on the campus, um, in the fall. So, uh, we're seeing a lot of stories like that. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to, to collecting more of those stories, um, in my work. Um, so, Yeah. I, I, I think I think we also have to all acknowledge that there's other stories that are not as positive and um, to the extent that, um, you know, some kids cannot escape what where they're coming from and the, the circumstances that surround them. And we have also lost uh, one of our most uh, promising young young men in the program in Denver, um, and he died from gun violence. Um, just, uh, I believe a year and a half ago. So, um, we see both sides of it, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that the program wasn't incredibly impactful in his life and, um, that the future wasn't so bright for him. It absolutely was. And, and it's just devastating to think about that loss. Um, but we have to keep doing our work even in, in light of, of those just devastating outcomes sometimes. Well, I think, um, yeah, and it's tragic. It's incredibly tragic to hear that. Um, you know, I've seen tragedies happen in to sports teams or, you know, even in my daughter's life mm -hmm. um, and building these relationships, though, makes those young people so much stronger to handle those tragedies. Because the, you know, the, the sad news is tragedy is going to happen in your life, regardless of your circumstance. It's going to happen. You can count on it to all of us. Right. Uh, and having a great support system is incredibly important. So it's just, it's wonderful to hear the support system you guys are building for this youth so they can learn to deal with these situations in more productive ways than maybe they would have. Right, right. Um, you know, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, CrossFit's role and what you guys are doing. Because one thing I've been really encouraged about within our community is that, you know, CrossFit headquarters or home office or whatever the heck we're calling it this week um, has been really uh, investing time in charitable organizations, uh, you know, within the last couple of years. And yours is one of those. What What's the, you know, kind of the influence or role they're having within uh, Forging Youth Resilience? Yeah, um, there's an incredible 
nonprofit ecosystem in the CrossFit space. Um, and I would love to talk about that in a moment, but just, um, you know, CrossFit is our partner uh, as an organization and um, they invest in our work by amplifying what we do, trying to help us get the word out um, about FIRE, about the program. Um, you know, they helped uh, tell the community about our recent local club summit, things like that. Um, they also host scholarship L1s for us. Um, when we have a group of, you know, 17, 18 year olds who are ready to take that next step in the CrossFit journey, um, they've been really helpful in setting those up and, and um, getting, you know, seminar staff there to, to have that experience. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's an evolving thing, but the CrossFit Foundation um, is is there. there uh, we're working with Josh Murphy, and we understand there's some transition happening there. Um, but you know, the when you think about CrossFit and sort of the um, opportunity that is possible in bringing new communities into the CrossFit space, um, the foundation can play a huge role uh, in making that happen by uh, investing in programs like FIRE and other uh, nonprofits in the space that are reaching out to communities that are maybe underrepresented in CrossFit right now. Yeah, I, I love Josh Murphy, by the way. I, uh, I don't get to see him enough. I run into him like every two years, <laughs> swear to God. Like I met him at, um, I wanna say, I flew out to CrossFit headquarters uh, when it was in Santa Cruz for one of these uh, derelict doctor conferences that Greg was putting on. And I ran mm. into Josh there and met him for the first time and just fell in love with him. Super guy, you know, and, and, you know, clearly passion around, uh, you know, charitable work and, and, uh, and then I didn't see him again for a couple of years. And I ran into him at the games last time I was at the games. And it was like, we'd, you know, been seeing each other the whole time, you know, it's like old friends catching up. Yeah. And uh, so I just, I love what he does. And, and, uh, the work he stands for. And you, you mentioned something in all of that, uh, about the, the L1 scholarships. We had, yeah. um, Chuck Cardswell on the show. It was been a while, but he came on to talk about the scholarships. You're the first one I've heard actually, you know, kind of connect that this is going on live. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what that program looks like and how it's helping? Yeah. Um, so, you know, CrossFit wants to, as we bring new people into the CrossFit space, new communities, people who maybe their parents didn't do CrossFit, they're the first one in their family. This is all kind of new. Let's give them um, the best introduction possible. Let's give them the full, you know, experience that L1 experience that we've all that we all know and love. Um, and so the foundation works with nonprofits like like fire, like the Phoenix. So the Phoenix is working on an L1 right now. Um, I believe, um, you know, Green Beret Project has, has done these. And, um, you know, there's a lot of other amazing nonprofits that will probably be pulled into this, like um, Project Onyx and You Lift You. Um, and certainly um, Out Foundation is a big one. So the L1 is really meant to just uh, help uh, individuals who can't afford to do the L1 um, to have access to that knowledge and that experience. Um, so yeah, and and it's not there's no um, sort of uh, specific cadence in terms of how often those happen or with which groups, but um, 
you know, that that is uh, an amazing initiative that that CrossFit is really embracing, I think. And as we get things sort of uh, tightened up a little bit between what is happening in the inclusion space with the DEI Council and then what's happening in the CrossFit Foundation, um, the L1 scholarship is a huge tool in terms of um, how we introduce new communities to this community, to the CrossFit community. Well, and I just, you know, I think about... Um... You know, I think our community has a real tight grip on the youth being the future of the sport. You know, you see it with, you know, Emma Carey and Mal O'Brien. And, you know, you've got a lot of these like kind of 16, 17, 18 year old young men and women coming up through the sport that are that everyone knows these guys, you know, young men and women will be on the podium someday. But what they often don't think about are the young men and women that are learning how to coach in the gyms that will eventually be gym owners and, right. you know, giving the scholarship to young men and women and saying, Hey, here's an alternative for you to build a career for yourself. And it's something that they wouldn't have been able to afford to do otherwise. I, I just, I think of that and think, man, you know, you start bringing these you know young people in at a young age and you give them the scholarship and you teach them to coach and they fall in love with it. And they, you know, they apprentice under, great coaches and, you know, they're going to find themselves, you know, five, seven, 10 years from now owning a gym and, and really creating this ecosystem of, of, uh, you know, ownership and belief. I think that's really important to continue to drive the community forward and continue to deliver on great coaching and the love of, of community that we have. So I, I think the scholarship program is spectacular. I'm just, I'm really excited to to see the fruits of it. I think, you know, it's probably going to be a decade before we really know, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Maybe I'll just uh, take this moment to um, just highlight another group that I've been working with, uh, which is CF indigenous. And you've probably seen, uh, oh, you've probably seen this around the internet, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they are a group working here in Canada to, um, to provide uh, CrossFit on, in indigenous spaces on um, reservations, I guess is, is sort of the U.S. word for, for um, uh, indigenous community spaces. But, um, you know, 25% of indigenous people uh, are facing poverty. And, and that's 40%. Uh, that statistic is 40% when you look at indigenous children in Canada. So, there, um, and in addition to that, sort of the health outcomes amongst indigenous communities here, First Nations communities um, are just devastating, like huge reduction in, in lifespan and things like that. So um, this group, uh, this council is trying to bring CrossFit to, to these communities and um, we're working with box owners who already have boxes um, and work with indigenous communities, but we're also kind of creating, we're trying to create a pipeline of coaches, the same thing that you're talking about, who are Indigenous and who would, you know, just naturally begin to work with these communities. And so um, May 12th and 13th, uh, they're offering a level one uh, in um, uh, New Brunswick and then um, a CrossFit scholarship May 14th and 15th. So um I believe Chuck Carswell is going to be leading that, which, I mean, what an incredible experience. But if you know an Indigenous person who um, can get out to the far, far east coast of Canada uh, mid-May, we would love to, to include them um, in that email to reach out to cfindigenous at gmail.com. I might pretend I'm Indigenous just to go work with Chuck. Exactly. I feel the same way. <laughs> 
Chuck is, uh, he's a spectacular guy. I mean, about as, as smart as the day is long. The guy's, he's forgotten more about CrossFit than I'll ever know whatever yeah. that's worth, which, which <laughs> probably, which probably isn't that much for whatever, whatever that's worth too. Um, so you mentioned, um, I want to talk about a couple of things, uh, while we're still through this, I want to talk about, you guys have a current fundraiser right now for, yeah. uh, forging youth resilient, the ignite program. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Uh, okay. and you have a nasty workout that goes with this thing. That's so right. we're going to talk about that too. So tell us about ignite. <laughs> All right. So this is our second year of holding Ignite. It's a community workout fundraiser, um, and we are holding it in May this year to observe Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, and because we do feel like our program uh, addresses both physical health and mental health, and we we really want to, you know, we know how much young people uh, how their mental health was affected by the last couple of years. So we're we're focusing in on that with this workout. So um, something to focus on while you're grinding through the 18 minute long <laughs> workout. Basically we're asking uh, boxes around the country to program the Ignite workout for one day in May as their class workout. Um, and we'd love for gyms to create uh, either their own page and we can set that up really easily. It's a fundraising page on Give Lively. We can help you set that up or you can just direct uh, gym members to um, our homepage forgingyouthresilience.org and there you can find all the fundraising information there. Um, but we'd like to have people reach out to their networks, have people sponsor them for the workout or just, you know, give to a good cause. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the fun of it is really this workout, which um, we uh, programmed in partnership with our youth athletes. So we share the blame. <laughs> uh, 21159 triplet uh, of thrusters, over the bar burpees, and sit ups. And you can prance over the bar if you like. Uh, so I always prance, always prance. Is good. <laughs> um, and then uh, you've got an 18 minute total time cap. So you do that triplet and then you rest for however long you have to, catch your breath, and then you try to find a max lift. Um, I believe it's. Uh, power clean and then hang squat clean. So uh, that's a rough workout, man. Thrusters and the burpees are bad enough. And then you're like, Oh, we're going to do some sit-ups. So you can't catch your breath. Right. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Just do some hinging. What could go yeah. wrong? Uh, I, I tell you what else I love that you guys have done with this workout is you, uh, you programmed an adaptive version for the adaptive community. You've got a short stature version, a sensory version, and a seated with hip function. I mean, you know, I've been doing a lot of work within the adaptive community and it's great to, to see that you guys have put this together for everyone, not just able-bodied athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, Kevin Ogar, um, uh, at Watchtower CrossFit helped us with that. And, uh, we are grateful because we want everyone to be able to participate. Yeah. And uh, typical Kevin fashion, he did not make it easy for, no. uh, he, did, <laughs> he, he didn't take any of the, the difficult, uh, difficultness out of it, uh, for the, the adaptive community. If anything, I think Kevin likes to make things harder for them. I just think right. it's his uh, sadomasochist ways. And uh, <laughs> I love, I love that dude too, though. Talk about a, just a fantastic human being and, and pretty darn fit. To yeah. Say the least. Oh, we'd love for people to video their max lift and we will promote it out on our, our channels. Um, we think that's part of the fun. And, and this is definitely also about building community. You know, we've got, we've got a big fundraising goal to hit. 
um, so we can do our work, but um, we also just want to connect with everyone and all our supporters and, and uh, get to know you a little better through this workout. You, you will not be getting a video of my max lift. <laughs> okay, got it. Right, right now, the community is in this mode right now where anything that hits video, they're going in and critiquing it and putting little oh, bats yeah. under it and like... And, you know, quality of movement. And I get it, but I'm not a games athlete and no one needs to see me lift. No one, <laughs> not even me, not even me. Uh, we are um, grateful for uh, making Wads great again, friend, uh, Ben D. We'll just say that. Yeah. There we go. Thank you. Did he? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Ben's actually, Ben's actually fit though. That's the difference. Like <laughs> Ben's an actual athlete. He can actually, and he's super strong. He doesn't, like he's a little dude. I say he's a little dude. He's like my size, you know, but for his size, he shouldn't be able to lift the amount of weight he lifts. And uh, how much did he lift? Do you remember? I I don't know. He, he basically just, uh, he did uh, a promo video for the workout. So I don't know. I don't even think he went for his heaviest, but maybe he will this month. We'll see. Who knows with Ben? Ben's one of those guys. He drives me crazy. Just absolutely drives me crazy because he works out like two days a week. He like he has the greatest life. He's like traveling and and, uh, you know, feels like he's constantly on vacation. He works hard, but he gets to do a lot of fun stuff. And uh, so he like literally only does like CrossFit workouts a couple of days a week. And then he'll go pick up a barbell and clean 300 pounds like he's just does it every day. You know, it just wow. it's uh, I can't wrap my mind around it. But, you know, I'm also 51. So a little, yeah. little different. uh a a little di little di <laughs> yeah, a little different as a master's athlete. I'm just happy right. to get out of bed and not be in pain. So, right, right. Um, hey, I wanted to talk a little. You're on the uh, the CrossFit DEI Council, and uh, that's very, very cool. I wanted to talk a little bit about that, and and you know maybe what you guys are working on, and and you know probably more importantly, well, like what's the this is a new thing for CrossFit within the last couple of years. Like, what's the purpose? Yeah. Um, so. We are a group of individuals in the CrossFit space, uh, affiliate owners, athletes, coaches, uh, medical professionals and first responders, uh, nonprofit staff. Um, there's about 10 of us. Uh, I guess it's grown to about 12 um, with some additional uh, representation from um, uh experts who work with the adaptive athlete community. So um, that was added. Um, basically, trying to get the best cross-section we could of um, people who can speak to uh, the underrepresented in the CrossFit community. So, um, you know, our whole mandate is really to amplify those voices um, and to figure out ways to make the CrossFit space more inclusive um, for new communities to join and, you know, it's one thing to get someone to walk in the door. It's another thing to get them to feel like they belong there and are instantly part of the community. And across the boxes, you know, I love dropping in wherever I go at different CrossFit boxes. It is sort of um, just inherently a welcoming space, a, a place where people can instantly walk in and feel uh, part of the community. But if you have, um, if you're, you know, an adaptive athlete, you want to know that your coach is uh, knowledgeable about how to help you scale the wad. Um, if you're a larger bodied athlete, it'd be great to have a coach who is there to, um, again, help you figure out the best way for you to do that particular workout. Um, if you walk in the door and no one else looks like you, um, how can a coach and a community 
facilitate a welcome that makes you feel like this is a place where you belong. So um, as we work towards, um, you know, I just, I want to see CrossFit grow. I mean, CrossFit has played such a, a, an incredible role in my own life and, and has provided me with a community that I am forever thankful for. Um, you know, I have to move around a lot because of, uh, or every few years because of my husband's work. And so in each place, a CrossFit box has been the way that I have made my community and, and found friends. Um, and, you know, I, I just want others to, um, feel like they can walk in the door and instantly feel comfortable in the same way that I would. So, the DEI Council is really um, consulting for uh, consulting with HQ, working with them um, as uh, we think about specific challenges in terms of bringing new communities in um, and just new strategies for for growing the community, um, whether that be by adding a training or um, you know amplifying pride activities across the network. Um, creating the games adaptive athlete survey, uh, incorporating extended sizes into vendor contracts, um, reviewing the affiliate playbook to make sure that there's inclusive best practices in there. Uh, we've worked on closed captioning for deaf and hard of hearing for all of CrossFit's, um, you know, live video uh, presentations. And again, the L1 scholarship comes up. Um, and maybe one of the biggest challenges of our generation, we've been looking at um, how to incorporate transgender and non-binary um, athletes into the competitive space or even just the open um, and make that space um, inclusive for them. Yeah, it's, it's interesting work to me and it's an interesting dynamic within the community because I think often when the term DEI comes up, there's this connotation that we're all of a sudden going to be talking about race and sexuality. Like those are the only things that get incorporated into DEI. And, you know, I've, I've had this experience for years. I've told people like my uh, kind of passion around why this council is so important is like, I've, I've dropped in hundred gems probably over the 10 years I've done this. And I bet half of them didn't weren't uh, accessible for adaptive athletes. And I don't, I don't say that to make anyone feel bad around the way their gym is run. It's just, it's, that's the ecosystem. That's the way it's been yeah. and no one's addressed it. And, you know, even when we had Eric on the podcast, you know, a year or so ago, you know, he mentioned that, you know, our own website doesn't translate to all the languages in the countries that we happen to be in, right. <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, we, we give away CrossFit for free to all these communities, you know, through .com, but they can't translate it. <laughs> And, right. you know, for me, that's where this, this council can really come in to help identify blind spots. I think that's the, the, the real beauty of it is you guys can help identify things that maybe people haven't thought of, you know, not maliciously, just, just never come up, you yeah. know, and, and you guys can highlight those things and, and start addressing them and, and bring in experts, I think, which is most important. So you don't let idiots like me make the decisions, <laughs> uh, yeah, and there is a DEI executive now at, at CrossFit, um, and she's fantastic. And wow, what a job to come in and try to figure this all out and figure out where to be most effective and and uh, you know and what the community needs. But um, she's definitely um, she's leading this work, and um, we're already seeing some really positive outcomes. It's it's valuable work. I don't. Um, I'm not jealous. And I'll, I'll say that because, I, you know, I think the hard part of working within groups that are, are looking to be better represented 
is they have very, you know, and, and as they should have very loud voices around what they want and what they expect and what they need and often feel like it isn't happening fast enough. Right. You know, I've learned that through the adaptive community, you know, there's so many different levels of adaptation and, and, uh, you know, they can get very passionate around what their needs are as you would want them to, you know, um, But I just think about how hard that work is, you know, for the council and for CrossFit to like prioritize what's next for the business and which one do you have to get to first? Because you just don't simply have the resources to get to everybody at once. Right. I think the best way that we can guide our work um, is to just think about that goal of healthier lives and, and know that by reaching out to some of the communities that have been most marginalized, we are reaching out to some of the communities that are dealing with some of the worst health outcomes um, in our, in in the U S certainly, and in many other countries. So um, there's that intersection between marginalized communities have these, have, you know, exponentially more uh, negative health outcomes whether that's, you know, diabetes, obesity, you know, chronic disease, whether that's trauma and sort of mental health and addiction. Um, and we know that CrossFit is, is an intervention. Uh, the CrossFit lifestyle um, can really be um, an answer in so many ways to so many of those, those uh, problems. So that's the opportunity. Um, and and I, we want to let that guide our, our work. Um, and we do have to take a moment and celebrate our incremental wins because it is slow work and it takes, it's, you know, we've been at it for a year and a half um, and we can see change, but um, you know, not everyone sees the the huge changes that they would like to see. And, and we're just going to keep uh, working as hard and as fast as we can to, to bring more communities in and, and make it a great experience for them. Well, and I I would throw a challenge out to people listening or just to the community at large that if you think it isn't moving fast enough, instead of shouting, get involved. So I guess that's the question is how how do others get involved, whether it's, you know, how would, as an example, CrossFit gyms get involved or, you know, if an individual said, hey, I want to be a part of this and and make an impact for whatever specific community that they want to make an impact, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, I'll start with fire. Um, there's 5,000 CrossFit boxes in the U.S., and uh, we know that you know 20% of youth are facing are are living with obesity, um, and we know there's 11 million children living in poverty in the U.S. So, if you are a box that feels like you know you are ready to start a youth program. We would love to work with you um, to make that program safe and effective and successful and to provide you with resources. Um, so uh, please reach out to us. Um, my email is mason at forgingyouth.org. So that's one way if you're interested in working with uh, youth um, from challenging circumstances. Uh, but if you're interested in um, the DEI Council and sort of more inclusivity across CrossFit, um, you can reach out to us at inclusion at crossfit.com. And we regularly are checking that, that inbox. People have sent us some great ideas. Um, and people are also reaching out to say that they're interested in being a part of the council. And we're certainly um, open to that. I don't know sort of at what point additional people will be added, but we're always trying to figure out where the gaps are in our sort of 
sight lines and and who's not represented on a, a council about inclusion. So um, please reach out there as well. Well, we all know that bald white guys like me are totally represented. So <laughs> you're, you're good in that regard. Uh, <laughs> now, look, I, I'm excited about the work you guys are doing. I, I think the community at large, if everybody took a step back and said, hey, where were we? five years ago and where are we now? I think we've certainly made a lot of strides as a community and are continuing to. So thank you for the work you guys are doing. I think that's great. And and specifically, thank you for what uh, Forging Youth Resilience is doing because, you know, changing the lives of kids, um, man, it changes all of our lives. I mean, it really that's does. Right. As this next generation comes up and, and you know, continues to do great work within our CrossFit community, I think we're going to look back on this and go, man, that was time well spent for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, Mason, before we wrap up here, I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you guys. So if they, you know, if they needed to find you online, if they needed to find you through social media, like where would they seek you guys out? Yeah, we are um, forgingyouthresilience.org. So please head there. Um, I'd love for folks to sign up for our newsletter because we send that out about once a month and it just will keep you informed on, you know, new clubs that are opening, who are, you know, new sponsors and partnerships, things like that. Um, and then we're on uh, Instagram, of course. In fact, we're very active on Instagram. So uh, Forging Youth uh, again there. And uh, yeah, we'd love to interact with you. So please reach out. Yeah, well, guys, make sure you go uh, check them out, sign up for their newsletter. You're going to see um, uh, Mason's group on this podcast more often. We're going to do a series of podcasts uh, around financial wellness and and uh, helping her group and and hopefully help some of you guys, too. So you'll see more more to come in the very near future. So, Mason, thank you for joining. It's been super fun. Pleasure. Thank you for having me on. All right. For everyone listening, we appreciate you guys joining today and we'll chat with you guys soon.